0: Isaiah 40, this is going to be our theme verse for the message this morning, and then we're going to flow throughout the passage together. Isaiah 40, if you would draw your attention to verse 26. Lift up your eyes on high, God says, and behold, who hath created these things that bringeth out their host by number? He calleth them all by names... By the greatness of his might, for that he is strong in power, not one faileth. Not how many fail? Not one. He says we are to lift up our eyes where he says on high. And behold, he says, who created these things? Look to the Lord. Lift up our eyes. I encourage you this morning as we will seek to draw our attention to lift up our eyes to the Lord. Let's, let's turn to another passage, Colossians chapter 3. Hold your finger here, Colossians in chapter 3. Galatians and Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 1. This verse correlates and ties together with the passage in Isaiah. If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are, what does he say? Where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your, what does he say? On things above, not on things on the earth. Set your affection, he says, on things above, not on things of the earth. A lot of our lives and a lot of the lives of uh, those in the world are completely affected by their affections. Uh, And he says to set our affections, so it's a choice, on things that are found above, and he describes that. That's where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. So it's up in heaven. And then in verse 3, it says, For you are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. This world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. The angels beckon me through heaven's open door, and I can't feel at home in this world anymore. Do you feel at home in this world? Uh, it, this world is becoming more unhomelike on a daily basis. There was a, a business owner stopped by, and, and I needed some uh, chainsaw oil. Thank God a prayer was answered. I got my chainsaw back this week, okay? And now I get some work done, okay? And so I uh, went to get the oil for that thing, the bar and chain oil. Hmm, It was slightly, slightly overpriced, that particular establishment. And the individual there behind the counter, who I've dealt with before, started talking about the way this world's getting and how, She and her husband are just going to go live in a cave. She said, I just want to go live in a cave and get away from all this. Even those who do not know God realize trouble is coming. Trouble is coming. So in the middle of all of this time, you say, that is, it's not fun, right? It's not fun when you go and uh, things are twice as expensive as they were, and that was the case. Uh, $7 for a little quart of oil that you're going to burn through in two days. Uh, it's just ridiculous, okay? And, but you say, well, that doesn't make any sense. All these things are changing. We don't like this. Lift up your eyes, he says. Turn back to Isaiah 40, and we're going to stay in that passage most of, the, uh, most of the morning. Look, our eyes are the gateway to our soul, and what we allow ourselves to see and to think on will radically change the actions in our lives. That's why the Lord challenges us to lift up our eyes. We're all tempted to live focused on people and possessions around us. And in Psalms 62, verses 10 and 12, it says, Trust not in oppression, become not vain in robbery. If riches increase, if you get a good president, and the economy goes good for a few years. Set not your heart upon them, for God has spoken once, twice have I heard this, that power belongeth unto God. Also unto thee, O Lord, belongeth mercy, for thou renderest to every man according to his work. Psalm 62 says. So God says, if things are going well, set not your heart on them. Why? Because it's all temporary. It's all temporary. Lift up your eyes. God's challenging us to earnestly seek his strength. And this morning, as we seek to lift up our eyes, you see what's in focus right there? That's right, the eyes like the one word my daughter little baby knows right eyes along with mine she's memorized that word this week and he says lift up your eyes in the picture what's in focus is the sky and the heavens my friend And the Lord says, quit looking at everything on this earth. And you and I live in the temporary and the temporal. And it's easy to get so focused on the things of this earth and the people around us that we miss the divine purposes of God. And by the way, that ought to trump anything else we're doing. It ought to be more important than anything else we're doing. Lift up your eyes. Look first at his position over the nations in verses 15 and 17. But it says in verse 15, Behold, the nations are as a drop of a bucket and are counted as the small dust of the balance. Behold, he taketh up the aisles as a very little thing. God refers to the nations in verse 17. He says all nations before him are as, what does he say? Nothing. Nothing. And they are counted to him as, look at what he says, less than nothing. Now, how do you get less than nothing? You try to get less than nothing? I was, you ever had something break that you did not want to break? And I went looking everywhere for it. I had a little faucet piece break. And I was looking for a little piece of plastic. And I thought of you, Grant, because you had a little printer to make 3D plastic. And I said, maybe I could. And th- and then, but you know what? The thing was so broken, you couldn't, re- you couldn't reproduce it. I finally found a place to get it. And then I was so excited and encouraged when I went and realized that the economical shipping is now $12 and the part costs $12. And uh, what, how exciting to ship that just 150 miles. It cost me $12 to ship it that far. Ridiculous. And, and you look at that and you're like, ah. Oh. And you look at that and you're trying to figure things out trying to understand how things work. And and we get so sometimes overwhelmed with little things in our life, don't we? But God says, they're all as nothing. And then he says, less than nothing. Look, it's super cool, all the inventions we've made, but God says they're nothing. And by the way, if you didn't think they were nothing, he says they're less than nothing. A drop in the bucket, he says. Now, if you're thirsty and somebody gives you a bottle of water like this and you say, wow, thank you so much, right? A little drink of water. My brother and I used to chug these, one—you just the whole thing at once. Any of you guys do that, right? The whole thing at once, right? Yes. Don't worry, I won't do it in church. But um, he says all the nations are as a drop in the bucket. We look at our life and look at everything. Look, there's a little bit of water right there. That's not going to hurt anything, right? God says all the nations are like that. All the kingdoms of the world, God says, that's what they're like. Just a few drops of water in a bucket. But yet we look at all these situations around us and we get so overwhelmed. And God says, lift up your eyes. Behold, the nations are as a drop of a bucket. And are." cast. ...counted as, he says, the small dust of the balance. Have you ever bought anything with scales and balances? Some of you all did back in, right? Now I'm starting to again, because the Amish sell stuff cheaper than other people sometimes. All right, he's like, I got a scale, I'm going to pull it out for you. I said, sounds great, let's pull it out. I hope the scale's accurate. But anyways, right? <laughs> you know the way that works. But what he's, what he's talking about right here, he says, as the dust in the balance... As the dust in the balance. It doesn't take much dirt to throw the balance off. If you go to the little hardware store down the road, Gibson Hardware, they have a little scale right there on the counter to measure out the nails and everything. And you put a little bit of dust on that balance, it'll throw it off. And that's what God's saying. He's saying the nations are so small, they're like a little speck of dirt on the balance. Just a little tiny thing. And yet we look at it in life and we say, oh no, Ukraine, right? Everybody's all worried about that. It's under God's control. We forget that. We often forget who's in charge. All nations are like one little tiny drop in a bucket. Peter Forsyth said, The first duty of every soul is not to find its freedom, but its master." The first duty of every soul is not to find its freedom, but its master. Oh, that we would realize who is in charge. We spend our life trying to find our way, and God says, I put the clear way right in front of you. I, thou wilt show me the path of life is right in front of our, our eyes. His position over the nations. Uh, If God leads us to do anything, it's always going to be to the cause of furthering the gospel. It's going to be to the cause of strengthening the local church. That's what God leads. God is still over the nations. He's still directing. It's his position. 2 Chronicles 13, verse 18, if you'd like to jot the reference down. I was reading this week. You ever open your Bible, and maybe it's one of those really early mornings... Okay. I pray you do sometimes when it's really early. And uh, you know, it was like, you know, in the 4 a.m. hours, you know, you're thinking about these exciting things like going out and freezing yourself to death and pray that you might see an animal out in the woods. And, and you're thinking about those types of things. And I was turning to where I was supposed to be for my devotions. And I, on my way there, happened upon this passage in 2 Chronicles, which, by the way, that can be the will of God. And I start reading, and I read like a chapter or two, and then I said, hang on, and I'm waking up. Oh, this isn't where I'm supposed to read for the day. But I saw some really neat things in here, and I was like, great, okay, I'm going to finish this passage, and I'm writing these things down in my journal, and then it's like, okay, now... I'm going to go over and read uh, where I was going to read because I'm reading through the Bible in a year. I'm in uh, 2 Timothy. And so um, as I was reading this passage, though, in 2 Chronicles, this verse stood out to me. Thus, uh, in verse 18, Thus the children of Israel were brought under at that time, and the children of Judah prevailed because they relied upon the Lord God of their fathers. Now I woke up. I was reading, and I was... Comprehending, But when I saw this phrase, it's like my brain like said, hang on a second, turn back and read. Why? Because I had missed that part. You ever missed that part? You're reading along and all of a sudden you didn't get that part in the Bible. You turn back and you're like, okay, hang on a second. The children of Israel were brought under, so they are brought under servitude. And it says the children of Judah prevailed. So you, It says they prevailed because they relied upon the Lord God of their fathers. I'm like, well, what happened? They were at war with each other. But verse 14 says, they cried unto the Lord. The difference between Judah and Israel, one thing. One group of people cried to the Lord and depended upon him. The other did not. His position over the nations, he's still in charge. Because they cried to the Lord, God intervened. And look, Satan covets a tired man and uses him. But God rests a tired man and inspires him. I want you to never forget that. Satan, will he covets a tired man, and he'll use him. God rests up a tired man and inspires him. I challenge you to be the second. God wants to rest you up and inspire you to serve him. His position over the nations, he's in charge. His prominence over all mankind. In verse 22, he says, It is he that sitteth, Upon the circle of the earth, and all the inhabitants are as grasshoppers. That stretcheth out his, the heavens as a curtain, and spreadeth them out as a tent to dwell in. So many beautiful pictures right here in the passage. Now, by the way, wasn't there a debate over whether or not the earth was flat? They should have read this. Who sitteth upon the circle of the earth? The earth turns around, and uh, in in orbit. I would like them to try to explain to me how the earth could turn if it was flat and you not turn into a polar, completely polar ice sheet and then scorch too much and then turn back into a polar ice sheet. They didn't understand what God already wrote in his word. See, God's word, people say, well, science is greater than God's word. Uh, it's more intricate. Yeah, we've we figured out a lot of complicated ways of saying some very simple things. Uh, if you listen to people talking about science, they use a lot of big complicated words often. And uh, half the time, they don't even know what they're talking about. Um, in verse 22, he sitteth upon the circle of the earth, his prominence. Hey, he's still up there in heaven, and he's not the man upstairs. That is a very rude way to refer to the Almighty that created all things as just the man upstairs. No, 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 he is sovereign, and he's not just upstairs, he's downstairs too. And he's in the basement. He's aware of everything going on. He's aware of what's happening in hell. At the same time, he's aware of everything happening in heaven and in all the stars and planets, and we can't even comprehend it. He's aware of what each one of us in the world are thinking, every single human being. He's aware of where every animal is. At the exact same time, he knows it all. His prominence over all mankind. He who guides himself has, been, has a fool for a follower. In the passage, he describes for us how he all the inhabitants of the earth are as, look at what he says, grasshoppers. God says, hey, I like, I like what you're doing. You're a grasshopper. I'm a grasshopper. We're all grasshoppers. All the inhabitants are just like grasshoppers, just jumping around. God says, we're all grasshoppers. That's the way you say, it's kind of rude to refer to to us like grasshoppers. The Lord is saying that's how small we are in perspective. Because as, as human beings, we look at a little grasshopper and we say, I could cause you to die. I could allow you to live. Right? You're not really scared of a grasshopper. Maybe a little child is. God says he's that big. And too often we think, oh, but this situation is so big and we let it get us all worried. And God says, I'm still over all mankind. It says in in the next part of the verse, he stretcheth out the heavens as a curtain. You think the one who puts the curtain up in your home understands and they put the finite curtain up. You can tell that curtain where to be. You can take that curtain down whenever you want, stow it away and put up a different color. And God says, I'm in the control just like that. I spread out all the heavens, all the clouds, all the stars, like a little curtain. Boom! Oh, I'm going to change it. God is in control and he says, I'm in control of everything. His prominence over all mankind. And he says, he spreadeth them out as a tent to dwell in. You go camping, you go out in the woods. The smallest and most insignificant thing out there in the woods is your little tent. You say, what's important? Because I'm staying in it. That's right. But you're a little grasshopper staying in a little tent. And you're going to dwell in it. There's the whole woods all around you. God says, by the way, the whole world's like a big tent. I'm just spreading it out. It's all under his control. And whatever is in you understand your tent. You put it up and you know where it's at. And God says in the same way, I know what's happening. I'm well aware, he says. And look at how he describes in verse 23, the rulers. That bringeth the princes to, what does he say? Nothing. And maketh the judges of the earth as vanity. Oh, don't we get worried? The Supreme Court might say this or might do this. Yeah. But ultimately, they're nothing. Should we we advocate For this and that, should we we vote if you're a Christian? Yes. You have the freedom and the privilege to vote, you should vote. Why? Because the day is coming when we won't be able to vote. And if you have the privilege and freedom to vote so that you might preserve life, so that you might preserve the freedom to worship God a little longer, and so that you might preserve the freedom for the gospel to go forward a little longer, you ought to vote. We're not in Nazi Germany yet. okay? So in this situation, we must recognize his prominence over all mankind. The princes are nothing. The judges are nothing. A.W. Tozer said of the people who are crucified with Christ, they have three distinct marks. They're facing only one direction. They never can turn back. and They no longer have plans of their own. You know the number one reason why folks do not worship God in his house? They have their own plans. Their own plans. Abraham Kuyper was giving a speech. And he was defending the reason for Christian scholarship. And he said the following when he concluded his speech. He made this ringing proclamation. There is not one square inch of the entire creation about which Jesus Christ does not cry out, this is mine, this belongs to me. Hey, he's got every square inch under his control. Now, ladies, wouldn't it be nice if you had every square inch of your house under your control? That one little section that your husband dominates, okay, right? You all are so quiet. It's okay, yes, I know. I have some areas that are... Shall we say, there are areas where I leave my messes, okay? And, uh, you know, there are areas for unfinished projects, right? Um, There are areas for things that are going to happen next week. I mean, next decade. Um, Right? That, I have those things, those areas. And look, even in your own house, it's rare that you have every square inch under your total control Because then Fido comes in, right, and dominates the whole house. And the kitty cat and everything else comes in sometimes. And different interests happen. Uh, The children have their things and their stuff and their toys, right? God says, no, I'm in control of everything. We look at our world, we look at the situation, he says, I'm over all mankind. There's not one square inch that doesn't have to report to God. And it gives me great consolation that we are all as but grasshoppers. He's just trying to lead and guide and work. And if we would submit to his process and his plan, great things will happen. His position over the nation, his prominence over all mankind. And look at the last part in the passage. His promise for the reliant. His promise for the reliant. In verse twenty nine, um, well, actually, let's let's go back. Let's go back to verse twenty five. To whom will ye liken me, or shall I be equal? Saith the Holy One. By the way, uh, oftentimes our choice is not over uh, good. And better, it's over what would please God or what would please ourselves. And God says, to whom shall I be equal? And oftentimes we're equating our desires with his. He says, no, don't do that. Lift up your eyes on high. He says, behold, though, he who created uh, and who created these things, that bringeth out their host by number, so all the stars come out by number, he says, and calleth them all by names for the greatness of his might, for that he is strong in power, not one faileth. And why sayest thou, O Jacob, and speakest, O Israel? My way is hid from the Lord, and my judgment is passed over from my God. Look at verse 28. Hast thou not known, hast thou not heard, that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth... Look at this next part. Fainteth not, neither is weary. There is no searching of his understanding. He giveth power to the... What does he say? Faint. And to them that have no might... He increaseth strength, his promise for those who will depend, those who will rely upon him. He says, if you'll come back to rely upon me, I'll give you power that you didn't even know you had. I'll give you strength that you didn't even know you had. He giveth power to the faint and to them that have no might. He increaseth strength. You ever have something wear out on you? This is the season where all of my power tools have decided they're going to give up the ghost in the last few months. And Remember we were putting together the little things for the festival, and that drill was about ready to croak. It croaked an hour later. I had smoke coming out of that drill. Thankfully, it's rigid, so it's under warranty. All right? They're going to give me, I think, a new one because it's about time. I've only burned up two drills in my life, and I burned up the second one right here, putting together the, uh, the props for, for the event on last Saturday. And putting it, it together, and all of a sudden, man, it's just billows of smoke. Had to take a leather glove and put it around it, pull that battery out. It was done. And you know what? I don't know how to rebuild it. Beyond my control, beyond my power. But I know there's a Home Depot. And they said, if I'll just ask, I can take their little piece of plastic back to them. And they'll either repower it. Or they'll give me a new one because it's under warranty. And you realize God has everything just like that. You might be all worn out. You may be all burned up. God says, Would you just come back to me for the warranty replacement? He says, Would you come back and get some strength again? And by the way, I don't like having to wait there because every time I go there, it always seems like their computer is so slow and you're sitting there for like 300 hours, 20 minutes. Maybe it's only five. And they're just sitting there waiting for the computer, and you're doing small talk, and you're like, okay, the kids and the wife are in the car. There's a reason why when we go do that particular stop, we normally just let my wife go shopping somewhere else if that needs to happen, right? And this time I went by myself because it was took so long. And you know what? Sometimes we're waiting upon God to do something, and it seems like it's taking so long. He says, if you'll just wait and i said could you guys just you know it they said wow it's toasted they put a battery in there like that uh huh and i said can you just get a new one for me today i had to drive 30 minutes to get here they said no 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 we got to send off and we got to wait till they give us the approval and mail us the tool that's the way it is with god sometimes we have to wait and we don't like to wait for him to renew for him to revive His promise for the dependent is, look, if you'll depend upon me, I'll renew you. If you'll rely upon me, I'll renew you, he says. Self-made men are not self-made. They still get every breath from their creator. We still need God's power. Um, One of my friends in this town, his name is Bob. And and Bob, last year, he told me something when the oil prices were nice and high, like they are right now. Six dollars for fuel oil, are you kidding me? And uh, Bob said this. He said, Dan, I want you to remember this. He said, he who owns the oil rules the world. I thought to myself, interesting statement. But I've thought on it for a marinated on it for over a year. And I think he's pretty accurate. You say, but all those people, they're in control. No, God says I own it all. And truly, he who owns the oil owns the world. God owns all the oil. He owns everything. He's in control. His promise for the dependent. Um, We need to trust him. Uh, We're we're dependent as a civilization upon the production and the supply of oil, but in a much greater way, the Christian must depend upon Christ. When we work, we work, but when God works, sorry, when we pray, God works. Our human wisdom often runs out. I challenge you, don't depend on the rabbit's foot for good luck. It did not bring him good luck. We easily get stuck in a rut, and the rut soon becomes to, begins to feel normal, and it's comfortable, and we start to enjoy having no progress. A, a rut is simply a grave with the ends kicked out. It's easy to get in a place of complacency. God's strength begins where our strength ends. We've got to look to heaven and say, Lord, I need your strength. May I remind you of Second Chronicles 13 and verse 14, the verse I mentioned earlier, that I came upon in my devotions this week. Why did they get delivered? Because they cried unto the Lord. Psalms 34 verse 6 says, "This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles." Second Timothy verse one, chapter one, verses six and seven, "For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. God gives soundness, his promise for the dependent. Isn't it great when we go back to God for strength? He says, he fainteth not, in verse 28, neither is weary, there is no searching of his understanding. There's a young man I've been praying for. He's in his 30s, and God's working in his life. And he reached out to me a few months ago and said, I know God's calling me in the ministry, I want to go in the ministry, but he said, i got too much debt all around me, I can't do it. I said, are you honoring God? What are you doing? A few weeks later... The small engine crisis happened and his work slowed down because they're not going to sell the little small engines he's been working on. They just sent the shipment back. and he, he has the potential to maybe lose his job. He reached out to me this week. Most encouraging message I got in the entire week. Would you please do me a favor for me? I said, oh, I wonder what the favor is going to be. We were roommates in college. wonder what the favor is going to be. He said, I've been struggling being consistent in my daily devotions. Would you keep me accountable? Now, when do you ever get a text message like that? I I think that's the first time, maybe the second time in my entire life as a Christian that somebody's ever personally asked me, keep me accountable, hold me accountable. I said, how do you want me to do it? He says, if you don't hear from me, the day's done, and you haven't heard from me, please ask me. He says, I want to be in the word. I want to be in the word each day. I'm going to send you a message and let you know where I was reading every single day. I said, Wow. That's encouraging right there. He's looking to rely upon God for strength, and he wants somebody. He says, I've been trying for years. And we got into college together a long time ago. And he knew God had called him in the ministry back then, but he's been waiting. And now he says, you know what? I want to get back to depend upon his strength. Would somebody please, would somebody help? Would somebody please help me? And he's asking for encouragement and help and accountability. His promise for the dependent. He says, I just want you to hold me accountable that I'm depending upon him. Would you please make sure I depend upon God? The promise for the dependent. He says, I'm not weary, God says. And he says, I give power to the faint. God says, I give power to them that have no might he says he increaseth strength. I started feeling stronger after that text message. <laughs> That'll give you a boost of strength right there. And you know what really gave me strength? Is the next day when I got the message, it was like 10 a.m., and I get a text message with a Bible verse, and he's like, man, I was so excited about reading in Acts today, and I'm like, yes. And I had bad phone service, and the message comes through, and I'm like, and I couldn't even reply back. And I was like, It was so encouraging. He's like, I was blown away by this scripture reading it today. That is when somebody starts to meet with God. It's the most refreshing thing that ever happens. The promise for the dependent. I'm like, man, that's awesome. You're depending upon God. You're depending upon God. Look in verse 30. Even the "The youths shall faint and be weary. And the young men, what does he say? Shall utterly fall. You say, I wish I was young again. I do too. All right? I know I'm young, but I, I put in a little too many hours some weeks, okay? Look in verse 31. But they that wait upon the Lord shall, what does he say? Renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. God does not want you and I to just sit around and rust out, my friend. He wants us to move on and serve God. Amen. He says, all the nations are a drop in the bucket. All the inhabitants of the earth are like grasshoppers. And by the way, if you'll just come back to me for strength, little grasshopper, I'll give you energy again. A grasshopper doesn't have much strength. A grasshopper's not like a big cow. It doesn't have extra fat to burn off. That thing is small. It needs energy God says you're like the little grasshopper. You need energy. He says, "Come back to me for dependence. Rely upon me." I always enjoyed—I've uh, always enjoyed the sound of diesel trucks. And you guys in the room like diesel trucks, the noise of diesel trucks. Am I one of the only one in the room that likes the noise of diesel trucks? I love that sound. Yes, sir, right there. And yes, I love that noise. I love the sound. Don't like having to pay for the pump, but I love it. Um, In my first diesel truck, I bought it back when diesel was cheaper than gas. And that means I'm really old. And so um, I was driving that little thing around, power stroke diesel, 7.3 power stroke diesel. Man, I loved that thing. As a child, as a teenager, I was 18. I was a child. 18-year-olds are children. I was a child. And I drove it like a child. I bought the rubber for it, and I burned the rubber off of it. Um, And and, uh, you know what? I had bought it, so uh, Dad didn't really mind because he knew I was paying for everything. And uh, look, the truck was like a dream to drive. It put 100,000 miles on it in just a few years, driving it back and forth, going to Bible college and going out to Cal- from California and Georgia, back and forth, back and forth. It was the last generation of strong diesel engine that I, uh, I really enjoyed that. The next few years, they put out this thing called a 6.0, piece of garbage. And the 6.0 was faster. It could spin the tires better. But the engine life was very short-lived. That's why those all went up for sale, about 100,000 miles. They all went up for sale. Then they had something they developed called bulletproofing. And they would put these special bolts in there and put all this stuff, because the engine bolts would pop and the motor would start to fall apart. And they put these special bolts in there, and if you deleted this and that, that thing could become bulletproof. And everybody wanted to get their truck bulletproofed. And if you bought one, it had to be a bulletproofed diesel. It cost thousands to do that. But people would do it because they wanted a dependable vehicle. And just as the engine needed the proper bolts to make it strong. I don't know why Ford put such weak bolts in it, except that maybe they wanted uh, a little bit of dependency. In the same way, God has made us weak, so we'll go back to him and depend upon him. God's given you weak bolts sometimes and me weak bolts because he wants us to get back to him. Uh, He wants us to rely upon him for strength. He wants us to get back to him for energy. The Christian needs the anchor bolts of the word of God to hold them together through the pressures of life. Are you bulletproof? Dependence on Christ is the key. I saw this quote this week and I thought thought it was great. Many great ideas have been lost because the folks who had the idea couldn't stand to be laughed at. To measure a man, note the height of his ideas, uh, sorry, his ideals, the depth of his conviction, convictions, the breadth of his sympathies, and the length of his sacrifices. If a man wants a dream to come true, he must wake up. Another quote, you'll never win the world to Christ with your spare cash. Some people don't believe in missions because their religion isn't worth sharing. And look, to be great with God is often to be misunderstood. To be misunderstood. But they, looking back at verse 31, but they that wait upon everybody to understand you. No. He says to wait upon who? The Lord shall renew their strength. I've waited upon a lot of other things for strength. My wife can tell you about them. But, look, she observed my life when I was a single young man in Bible college. She knew my dependencies sometimes were not on the Lord. She saw me depend on relationships instead of Christ. And she saw how that pulled me from Christ. And you know what? The dependence upon Christ ought to be the primary thing. She saw me depend on other men, depend on other people. And look, we're all tempted to be like that. But let's not be like that. Not depend upon people. Depend upon the Lord. And I tell you, if the Lord's in control, and he is, then he's going to give strength to the grasshoppers. You might feel like you're a grasshopper. You might feel like, you know what, I'm not a youth. He says, the youth shall faint and be weary. If I was a youth, I would serve God. by the way, God says the young men are going to utterly fall. So they're going to fail. He says, I'm not looking for the youngest in the room. I'm not looking for the most uh, the, the young man in his prime, the young men. He says, no, I'm looking for those who will wait upon the Lord. Those who will rely upon the Lord. He says, he shall renew their strength. He shall mount up with wings as eagles. He says, they shall run. And he says, not be weary and walk and not faint there's ever a day that we needed that kind of strength, it's right now. Would you go back to the Lord right now? Would you ask him to help you with this? Would you lift up your eyes? Would you see his position? He's over all. And would you come to the Lord in faith this morning asking him to help you? Maybe it's been a while since you come forward and prayed. Maybe today might be the day. You say, you know what, I'm just going to pray forward. I'm going to come and solidify the decision at the altar and ask the Lord to help me with it. You say, but I went back on those decisions I've made at the altar before. I have too. Which is why I enjoyed having somebody else preach last week, and I get to be preached to, amen? And and look, when we get preached and we hear the word of God, there's a call to respond to the Lord. We're not responding to men, we're responding to God. And the call is to respond to the Lord. So I challenge you, if God spoke to you about any area in the message today, would you get back to him for strength, and would you come forward and say, Lord, would you help me with that? You're not relying upon me, you're not relying upon some other person, you're not upon your spouse, some relationship. No, you're relying upon him. Lord, would you give me strength again? And when we solidify that decision on our knees at the altar, it helps us live our life the week during the week. Maybe you also could make your seat at an altar and you could kneel in your seat. And I challenge you when you pray this morning. God's speaking to you. There's nothing wrong with, the Bible says, lifting our hands and calling upon him. And there's nothing wrong with doing that when you pray. It's a good thing to do it, and I challenge you to do it. Let's do business with the Lord this morning. Let's ask Him to work. Let's ask Him to intervene and ask Him for that fresh drink of water. Look, uh, without water we would all die. And we need the grace of God and His fresh energy so that we might thrive and might renew our strength. All the nations are but nothing in His hand. Will we come back to Him this morning? Will we ask Him for strength? Will we ask Him for help? Let's stand together for prayer this morning. And as we're standing in this moment of invitation, maybe you're here and you've never asked Jesus to come into your life. If you're tired of the load of your sin, let Jesus come into your heart. And maybe this morning you've heard the message and you say, you know what, it, it all, a lot of those things made sense, but I'm just not sure about my relationship with God. And maybe you do not know Jesus as your Savior, and today you need to call upon His name and ask the Lord to forgive you of your sins Simply call upon Him as the Savior, turn from your sin to the Savior. And if you've never done that, today's the day to do that. And if you have done that, and maybe as a Christian, you'd say, you know what? Lord, I just need to come back to you for strength. And maybe that's what God's speaking to you about. Would you do business with Him? Would you respond to Him this morning? Father, we thank You for moving in our hearts. We thank You for working. And just as we are without one plea, but that Your blood, Lord, was shed for us, we come to you, and Lord, we come to you, o Lamb of God. And we ask that you would help us, that we might be renewed in our inner man by your power. We thank you for the strength you give when we rely upon you. And Lord, there's contagious joy that you want us to experience in this room. And maybe you're just moving on some of our hearts, maybe two or three of us in the room, and you're moving on our hearts about getting back to relying upon you. And if we would do it, and if we would do it publicly... We would encourage the others in the room to do it as well in their personal walk with God. So, Lord, I pray that you would help us to do business with you, to respond to you, that you might flow through us and your presence might be made manifest in our congregation. We thank you for what you will do. And, Lord, we ask you to just move right now in our hearts. We're going to close out the live stream at this time. And with our heads bowed and eyes closed, if God spoke to you this morning, would you step out from where you are and would you come forward to meet him and ask the Lord to help you? Lord, I need your strength. I'm just a grasshopper, and I need some energy. I need some strength. My strength's got weary. I've worn out. I'm depleted, and I need you, Lord. Would you come back to him this morning for energy and strength? As the piano plays, would you step out from your seat? Or would you respond to him today?